back to Stay Tuned with D-Ray. I'm here with Jenny Fisher, who does Champions Digital and Social for the NCAA. Uh, Jenny, obviously we have a lot to talk about, but let's start off with Madison Square Garden yesterday morning. You were sitting right next to me. You're doing some social for the Big East. Walk us through yesterday morning. Yeah, I think for my position in particular, uh, I was tasked with doing the digital and social media portion for the Big East Conference for this event. Um, So thinking about, okay, it's telling the story of what's happening on the floor. And it was a position where I'm not going to tell the story of what's happening on the floor. First of all, it's like, what a time to be talking about basketball, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like what's at the forefront of everyone's minds, um, except for maybe these student athletes and coaches. So uh, for me, it was just holding off on on posting. Um, you were next to me. We were both surprised when we saw the teams come back out with like less than six minutes on the warm-up clock and just pure shock um, after seeing all the other conferences fall. And so it was just really eerie, kind of surreal, um, which are – it's just you don't think that something like that's going to happen and that those 20 minutes of basketball that we saw could be the last bit of live basketball that we get a piece of until God knows when. Mm-hmm. So all around just extremely weird, uh, but I think it was handled as best as it could have been. Mm-hmm. So you work for the NCAA, and you said that that situation was handled as best as it could have been. How is the NCAA dealing with this? Because obviously you hear about the spring sports, they're canceled. The NCAA tournament is canceled. And it's not suspended. That was the thing. Like, when you hear suspended, it means it might come back, a.k.a. the NBA. They said they're suspending play. Then, you know, he comes out yesterday and says, the commissioner, sorry, comes out yesterday and says that they are going to wait till April, 30 days, you know, and then they'll reconvene and figure out what's next. But the NCAA was like, no, we're suspending these tournaments. How are they dealing with this situation? Yeah, well, I think um, our leadership works really diligently on – issues that deal directly with student-athlete well-being. Mm -hmm. And so the student-athletes are the center of everything that we do. And championships, our job is to make every championship memorable for these student-athletes first and foremost. And so uh, President Mark Emmert uh, pulled together a a kind of staff meeting, um, a video conference call um, that I was able to listen to today. And so what he had kind of just said was like, look, we're just trying to keep people safe out here. And if we can be part of the positive change, that is, hey, maybe we're like cutting this right at the right time so that in July, this might be ironic, but in July, they might be like, wow, we didn't have to do all this stuff because look, now it's gone. But at the same time, the irony is, okay, maybe us ending things when we did was the positive change necessary in order to get where we are come July. So no one knows the timetable and things like that, obviously. But um, I think the NCAA is just, like I said, concerned about the student-athlete well-being. um, Because God forbid, imagine if we played on and a student-athlete suffered and God hopes this isn't the case, but dies from something like this because it is a pandemic. Um, It's just ensuring things like that don't happen. Um, It's caring about people at the end of the day. And so... I'm really proud of how the NCAA is handling this, to be honest. Um, It might look really sad, obviously. It's a lot of doom and gloom from the playing standpoint, but I think it's something that could be necessary um, in order to kind of curb this and be on the positive change side. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about you for a second. You said champions, 
social, and digital. What does that mean? Because I realized like when we intro that, like me and you, obviously like we're in media, we know this world, but what does that mean for someone who doesn't know, you know, what champions digital and social mean? Yeah, so the NCA is kind of split up um, into two buildings actually, and one building is for championships. It's a 500 person employee um, organization and a big chunk are over in championships. So my job is to help tell the story of championships through digital and social media. So we do this from preseason through the regular season, through the postseason, and then eventually as we crown our champions in our respective sports. Um, we have a team of about seven or eight people in my department that is the title of my department. And so honestly, it's it's a lot of different things. It's making graphics, editing videos, um, a lot of different kinds of storytelling. For me, it was also going around the country um, creating information sheets and interviewing various women's basketball student athletes for a three-week um, road trip that we ended up doing um, to curate more content around the women's game. And so it really varies. Um, but I think the best part of my job is that I get to tell the stories of the winning team every time. Mm-hmm. We talk about champions, you know, like mm-hmm. it's always the winner. We're going to celebrate the positive story. Um, so I'm really I'm grateful for for what I do in that building. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk with it, because that's the worst part about this. I'm sorry. Obviously, I voice picked up a little bit, but just we had to get the seriousness out the way. And I have to ask about this. The what ifs. This time of year is going to bring so many what-ifs. And college basketball was at an all-time just bizarre. And this is a very, I hate to say it, fitting ending for a very just weird and unpredictable year. Since this entire year has been unpredictable. Every team that was number one, you know, lost at some point. Teams make it to the top, nothing. Teams that had great starts in the year and looked like they were going to be Sweet 16 or Elite Eight-level teams aren't even around anymore. And then some teams would come out of the blue. But in the Big East... Like I said, bizarre. We have a three-way tie for first place. One of those teams was not your Marquette Golden Eagles. And I hate to say it, but what if? What do you think they were going to do in this tournament? Obviously, Marcus Howard going into his last Big East tournament. What do you think the Marquette Golden Eagles would have did? These what-ifs are what are going to keep me up at night, and I'm sure a lot of other people, including Marcus Howard. Uh, I would say, first of all, that Thursday night matchup, the last game being Marquette and Seton Hall, we were about to see Marcus Howard and Miles Powell face off against each other for the last time. I mean, it in was in college basketball. In college basketball, it's it's guaranteed to be pure drama, um, and it's just it's sad alone that they didn't get to compete against one another for the first for the last time. Excuse me, but the fact that we didn't get to see that either, um, I think Marquette would have actually really had a run for it. I know people are looking like, yeah, they lost six of their last seven. And trust me, I'm not just a hopeful Marquette fan. Uh, I like to look at, you know, what was happening with them and what could have changed. And I seriously think that the Big East tournament could have been a great turning point because they had enough time to prepare. They were in New York the week before playing St. John's. Obviously, it was a a game where they fell short, but still... um, there are certain things I liked out of Marquette down the line, despite the losses. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> that the Big East tournament breeds drama. It's a place where these kinds of storylines can be flipped and change everything come Selection Sunday five days later, four days later. So 
the what ifs. I don't know. Some could say, what if Marquette would have won it all? What if Creighton lost to to St. John's in that game that only lasted 20 minutes? Um, So who knows? Mm -hmm. But uh, am I allowed to ask you a question about your what ifs for Villanova? Of course. What did you see as like the, the ceiling for this Villanova team in this postseason? I saw realistically, obviously, as a fan, as an alum, uh, as someone is tied to the program, I'm thinking championship, championship, championship. Realistically, Big from East a, championship. No, the entire thing. And yes, Big East championship. But uh, I saw them at least making it to the Big East finals. I obviously saw them winning. Um, the only team that I could see really taking it from them was on their side of the bracket, Seton Hall. You know what I mean? I think there's something to be said about the experience of playing in that building, winning in that building, um, you know, consistent like they have over these past couple of years. So for me, it was, you know, a man Fanta asked me about it. And I was just like, I'm sorry. It's just you have to speak for experience. They've been in that position so many times. And you saw last year when it was looking like ah, they might not get it done. And they did. So I was definitely pulling for that. But in the NCAA tournament, I was for sure, I saw at least the Elite Eight for these young guys. They they were great. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of all of this happening. Obviously, yes, it was the right decision from a health standpoint. Once we all get out of our feelings about this, we'll realize, like, listen, it's, it's bigger than this game. But as far as the competition goes, it is going to breed so many. Like, this is going to make a great 30 for 30. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what if I told you it's, it's, it's ridiculous? All right. Last question, and obviously we're going to get more of these waters and we got to get another interview in, but last question before we wrap up. You said several times in this uh, interview, storytelling. You said storytelling, storytelling, storytelling. I could help tell the story. That is obviously something that's very important to you, but what do you want to do with it ultimately as far as storytelling goes when it comes to sports? You're hitting me with the hardest question for the last one. I think my two big things are storytelling and basketball. Like, basketball is something that I've just absolutely had a passion for my entire life. And so to be able to to tie those two together, and I know that sounds like a pretty broad, like, two topics, but I think the storytelling is the most unique thing because you're able to, to just do justice to what people have gone through as far as experiences both on and off the court, share it with the world, and they're stories that need to be told. I mean, especially in the women's game, like that's like the stuff that really brings me joy that I wouldn't have fully expected, I guess, when I, when I was going into all of that. So honestly, I can see myself doing a position where I'm doing social and digital media for a conference like the Big East, where I'm, because it's a basketball conference and that includes the storytelling um, or a basketball team like Michigan State, Shout out to my friend Kara. She uh, does it for Michigan State. She travels with the team. She's on their staff doing social and digital media for them. So I see myself in roles like that. And so I I just will have to see. Gotcha. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, this is Jenny. On Stay tuned with D-Ray. And definitely we're going to get this second interview and stay tuned with her. I'm sorry, I just got a little distracted. We're having a little technical issues in the back. But like I said, stay tuned with Jenny. Stay tuned with the Big E. Stay tuned with the NCAA and definitely how they're dealing with this situation. And yeah, stay tuned with her.